This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore. And you know, TOS had 79, 80 episodes, but there are dozens of scripts, story ideas, uh, memos that turned into story ideas, that didn't turn into other episodes, that didn't make it to the big screen. Big screen, small screen. To me, the TOS screen is always a big screen. But, <laughs> you know, we thought it'd be fun to, to pick a few of these episodes and talk about it because, you know, there's nothing like finding out stories or deleted. It's like it's like deleted scenes, but they didn't work film, but, you know, just scripted things, things that, that could have happened. It's, it's, it's a great what if in Star Trek if several of these stories had come to the screen, Ken. Yeah, it is, Zach. And, you know, there were, there were obviously a lot of stories that were written for Phase 2, and these weren't. Uh, these, were, these were other stories that were actually slotted to be created or in the idea phase back when the original series um, was was on the air. And I think you did a really good job kind of pulling these out of the archives. So, I, like I said, a lot of people are familiar with those Phase 2 stories that, that did wind up in the next generation. And we were having some fun with that this week in, in Facebook. But I, I really enjoy um, going through these kind of outlines and so forth. And I, and I hope the people that are listening to this will as well, because this will be some, some interesting feedback, especially now that we've got a new series on the air. And kind of in that same timeline, you know, would, would this stuff still be, um, I guess, uh, workable, you know, and, uh, and, and would they draw people's interest? So you, you found some good stories here. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good point you bring up about Phase 2. I feel like most people, when they think about lost Star Trek scripts, they think about Star Trek Phase 2. There's a whole book about it by the Reef Stevens, and several scripts exist out there. A couple of them are turned into next-gen episodes. So, But these are not those. These are, ep- these are episodes that are actually written for the original series in the 60s. So tie into uh, to current events, uh, the first episode we want to talk about today is called Deep Mud. And I guess they, they, they wanted to keep using mud as a pun and <laughs> the, the cue of his day i guess right ken that's right that's right it was I guess that's the way they were going with this bad boy and uh and and it, it and it seemed to follow through the animated series as well yeah so so mud's passion uh was not this script uh you know there are right. other there are other episodes you know and you know, if this is uh this takes off give we might make this a 
a little little sub uh, series here on Standard Orbit about the lost episodes of TOS because uh, th- there's dozens of them, dozens and dozens of them. <laughs> no, there is, and you know what's what's interesting, Zach, too, is you know another podcast, and and we've done it ourselves. I think uh, I know we did it with Aaron one time, or I did it with Aaron one time, where we started creating kind of our own story, our own storyline with with Biche, and that's fun to do. I don't know if it's as interesting though for the listeners as it is for the people trying to be creative. And when you go back and you and you look at scripts that have been written by uh, the staff and the team that were already involved, or at least the outlines of these scripts, it's really fascinating. And I think it adds a little bit more, in my mind anyway, credibility, because in some cases, these were going to air. Uh, they just they just canceled the show at a certain point, and some of these got cut off. Yeah, absolutely. So this episode, Deep Mud, written by Stephen Candle, the, the mud author himself, uh, mm-hmm. He wrote all the Mud episodes, both on TOS and TAS, and actually wrote a, a, a novel as well, I believe, uh, about Mud. They're, they're, they keep, you know, in the novels, I don't know if you've seen Kim, but they keep that uh, they keep that trend up. I think it's like Mud in Your Eye or, <laughs> you know, Mud Below, Sky Above. You know, they really, really, yeah. they, they really play into like, oh, look, his, his name is a noun. Let's use it. But uh, this is actually going to be a direct sequel, Deep Mud, uh, to iMud with his escape from the android planet. And the, the synopsis is basically he escapes from the planet. Uh, he tricked the robots to revealing uh, to him the location of all their technology. And, of course, as any good uh, uh, charming rogue does, he goes around and, and sells it. Uh, and, of mm-hmm. course, this technology gets sold to a group of pirates. Uh, hijinks ensue. And the Enterprise has to get him out of his own mess yet again. So what are your thoughts on, on this, Ken? First of all, would you li- like to have seen Harry Mudd a third time on the original series? Sure. You know, it's it's kind of like Q to me, uh, the original series. Obviously, very, very different characters, but similar, you know, because these, they, they both come into the show. I think they add value. They add a little bit of levity uh, to it, although the first Mud was pretty heavy, I guess. But, it, you know, his character was, was a lot of fun. And I know through the lens of today, there's there's a lot of conversations and controversy, I guess. But no, I, I would have liked to have seen Roger Carmel come back again and again a few times. I think you know, he depending too, right? When you when you do twenty six back then, they were doing twenty six episodes a season, which is incredible. And um, you, you know, you might have those those episodes that get really serious or or whatnot. And then you know, you you get that that episode where you can get a little bit lighter and have more fun with it. And I think that um, you know that's that's what Harry Mudd would have done for the TOS if that had continued on, like Q did and John Delancey did for TNG. Now, I spent a lot of time talking about the, the puns and names, but actually a plot point of this episode would have been uh, the pirates and the crew, that they, they, end up, uh, they end up on a on a planet filled with a surface of molten, vicious mud, whatever, mm. whatever that means, right? Like quicksand or like, like, I'm not sure, like, are we getting a little too literal with the mud references here, guys? You know? It gets a little deep. Nope, no, no, no. Oh, I did it. I didn't mean to do that. But anyway, uh, we we move on. So it, this this story in itself though is pretty cool. I, I like it. You know, you have you have the pirates out there, which I think is pretty neat. Uh, there's there's always rogues out in space, right? And um, it really wasn't. And you know, we had hippies. We really didn't have pirates uh, in TOS. <laughs> I think that would have been you know fairly interesting to have kind of this rogue element out there that you're you're selling weapons to and all that. I. I like that. And of course, you know, um, Mud being Mud, he gets himself in over his head 
and and the Enterprise not only needs to rescue him, but defeat the pirates and then get rid of all the weapons and stuff that he stole from the founders who made the android. So I, I think that uh, this would have been a really fun episode to to create. And, um, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit with what they did with Mud and Discovery, right? He was definitely an arms dealer. He was he was a, he was he was a bad guy. And um, and, and we saw that and this kind of hints at it now. You know, the, the writers for Discovery have really dived, in, d- dove, dived? I don't know what the right <laughs> word is. They really went deep into a lot of things, TOS and Enterprise. We've seen that. So I wonder if there's elements of this script that kind of found its way into the second episode with Mud and Discovery. I guess more to follow on that. But yeah, this would have been a good romp, quote unquote, and, and fun to watch. And, um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people going, oh, not another Mud story. Well... You know, <laughs> he works for me. What can I tell you? Yeah, a point about how they get rid of the weapons. They have to do the, uh, the what I call the, the classic Superman maneuver and throw them into the sun. Because if you, you know, Superman solves most of his problems in the movies by throwing things into space or throwing things into the sun. And uh, that would have been interesting to see. I, I can I can only imagine the, the TOS special effects. You would just see like a, you see a stock shot of the Enterprise, then like a blinking light come out of it. <laughs> Go into go into the sun, <laughs> so it probably wouldn't have been that impressive. But but I, that, that no. you know a very lofty very lofty script. You know you have an interactive planet environment. You got uh, you know uh, pirates. You have a ship you would have to see, I assume, uh, unless they did one of their classic oh they're far out of visual range, Captain things, and then you're shooting stuff into the sun and then trying to show off this amazing technology as well. Would have been a would have been a uh, um, a challenge for you know being the third season of TOS with this, which is what this was written for, with their already cut budget. Uh, and then ultimately, the reason why this episode didn't happen is Roger C. Carmel. He was uh, unavailable at the time. He was he was shooting a movie because uh, he was you know a popular character actor at the time. Uh, and so that that that's literally the only reason why we didn't get this episode um, in season three of TOS. So so there it is. I, I'm not I'm not the biggest Mud fan as, as you. I get the episodes never really appealed to me. Um, I mean, comedy doesn't date that well a lot of times, and and maybe that's maybe that's why I, I of, of the two episodes I do prefer I Mud. Uh, that's more fun to me, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, and the animated show is fine, and, and of course Discovery is a, a whole different Mud, but uh, but I do I do like how he was doing different things in each episode. You know, he wasn't doing the same thing over and over. Uh, he was a con man, but he had many cons going on. So uh, mm-hmm. that's that's uh, sh- shows some shades to his character. He's not just one note. Uh, he has a different scheme every time they they come across him, so that's so that's fun. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, I, I well, I I disagree with you on the fact that I, I I always enjoyed Harry Mudd. I thought he was a fun character, and and like I said, if the series kept going on, he would have been that nice reoccurring kind of centered. Because obviously, um, it was one of the few things that kind of tied all the different storylines together and showed the passage of time, right? Because it was very use a term from beyond it was very episodic so this kind of uh brought some brought some brought some continuity uh into into uh the original series that's a good point yeah he is the he is the continuity point he's always the argument people make for hey look it's you know with all these fan shows right they bring back uh old stories or guest stars and like hey look tos did it they brought back carrie mudd so that is, that is a that is a good point there. Other than any any member of the crew, obviously that recurred, uh, main cast or guest cast, he is the only uh, recurring character of TOS proper. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like the crew, he could disappear. You wouldn't know why, and then they're back again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to uh, the next episode we want to talk about today: the Joy Machine. Uh, this was written by Theodore Sturgeon. 
who wrote uh, Mock Time and mm-hmm. uh, as well as Shore Leaf, a prolific science fiction author. So, Ken, do you want to talk to us a little bit about The Joy Machine, what this is all about? Yeah, so this was supposed to be in the second season, right? And it, it dealt with um, a, a Federation colony that got addicted to this to this machine. Um, that I, I guess the way it would work, it, it was connected directly to the uh, center of, of the, the brain, right? The, the pleasure center, quote-unquote. And instead of pay, uh, these workers would get hours of joy uh, for, for the work that they performed. So the story was really... Um, you know, it's described in the, in the outline as being highly cerebral and no real action in it. But it was it was all about like a completely different concept, right? Where you know uh, people work for different things, and in this case, they they work for pleasure and no no way to get there, right? And um, and these people, I guess, um, were impacted by that, right? It was it was it was doing damage to their brains, and so the the whole concept was, I, I, from what I understand, the the enterprise goes. And, and, and meets up with these folks and you know they they never really flushed it out as to um, what I think would have been the inevitable Kirk deactivating the machine right. so that people <laughs> could be focused on uh, you know instead of you know going into fantasy land or virtual reality or whatever it is could be focused on living um, and, and getting that, that, that definition of what life is you know through hard work uh, through through whatever means, you know, you, you begin to achieve things versus, um, you know, get quote unquote stimulated. An interesting definition. So I think this would have been um, uh, an interesting concept if it could have been pulled through. The other thing that was interesting about this is that Shatner was um, was tagged to direct it. Right, so right. Fred uh, That would have been real interesting, yeah. Fred Feiberger re- resurrected this idea, the story concept for the third season. Uh, but they still couldn't crack the story. They they reworked it a few times. They introduced a love interest to Scotty, uh, and that's how you know it's the third season when mm-hmm, some who, mm-hmm. who's falling in love this week, right on the on the third season. Um, but uh, that would have been you know this would have been the fifth ep- uh, tw- excuse me the twenty fifth episode of season three. So it was good because NBC canceled Star Trek after Training about Intruder twenty four episodes in season three. Uh, this episode did not get uh, put into production, so I, I'm sure this was always the chip on Shatner's shoulder that he never got to direct an episode, because literally the next episode, <laughs> he was going to direct. How frustrating would that be if you were him, right? Yeah, and interesting too, right? Because you know we've talked a lot about Turnabout Intruder and kind of you know the, the way the series ended, and you know really other than TNG and DS9, a lot of people argue that that the other series endings were kind of flat or in TOS's case it just was just done, right? There was no there was no goodbye, there was nothing. Right. And because that was such a controversial episode and there were things that were said in it to this day that drive people crazy that don't think it's real Star Trek, that there could have been opportunities to, you know, um kind of pull things back to center and maybe rewrite and change some of the things that, that occurred in Turnabout Intruder. And this is a very interesting, very deep episode. I I wonder if following an episode like Turnabout Intruder, if this would have if this would have worked. It's it's interesting, it's deep, but it, you know, the show might have needed a different kind of kick uh, in order to kind of pull out of Turnabout Intruder's impact. That, my thoughts. But Interesting that it was going to be made. Interesting that, that Shatner was going to direct it. And 
and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the ending would have been completely different from from what we're talking about. They, it's it's funny that they got to a certain point and then they just said, "Ah, we're canceling the show," and they never flushed out the um, you know how this was going to be corrected. So interesting, very interesting. Yeah, this was actually turned into a novel uh, in the '90s by James Gunn. Not that James Gunn, <laughs> not from Guardians of the Galaxy, a different James Gunn. And I uh, I've I've actually never read this novel. Have you, Ken? No, I haven't. I, I hadn't heard of the, uh, the the term joy machine until you had you had dug this out of the archives. It's funny. I remember seeing this book like on the shelf because I would, of course, I was as a good young nerd. I would always go to like the science fiction section of bookstores, and I, you know, back in the '90s, right? It's like the golden age of Star Trek expanded media, uh, books and uh, toys mm-hmm. and everything. So, so you go to like Barnes and Noble or Borders, right? Rest in peace. Uh, and like, there's a whole shelf of Star Trek books. It's amazing. Uh, you can, I mean, if you want a similar experience now, you have to go to like half price books, which, which is fine with me. I love going to half price books. And I love when all you guys on the Babel conference post, like I went to the thrift store today. I came back with 50 Star Trek novels for $5. <laughs> it's always fun to, <laughs> always fun to see that. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of TOS, uh, novels I have not read. And, and this is one of them. So I'd be interested if, if any of you guys out there have read it, uh, let us know what you think. Did the story work? Uh, do you feel like it was a retread? Because, you know, I look at this and I think, Part of it's a kind of a retread. I think about like this side of paradise or um, or uh, return of the archons or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's a similar theme mm-hmm. with probably a similar ending. But at the sa- <laughs> at the same time, though, it's, it's like if if you if you spin it the right way, who knows how they would have actually done it? Because because like you said, they couldn't crack the story, and then like oh, we're canceled, so forget it. Uh, it you know, it's, it sounds like it'd be like an episode of like something like the Black Mirror or something, right? This this like technology like this this insidious technology that that people get addicted to that there's there's technically not anything wrong with it but but technically there is and it's it's a really weird uh kind of ahead of its time forward thinking thing you know because we're seeing it right now right we see just just now technology is catching up to all these sci-fi concepts that have been warning us about the end of humanity for so long getting plugged into the matrix or or whatever virtual reality and whatnot so so who knows but but uh, the, the challenge the real challenge of this episode i think would be um visualizing and articulating what joy would be for everyone uh, i mean as as we recall from the nexus right uh, it was supposed to be a, you know, a blanket of joy right so it was guidance said right so, and then we saw that and we're like really i don't <laughs> i'm not really sold on that so i think it would have been especially difficult i mean they might not even done anything might have had just somebody put on a a helmet right and then you don't see what they see that might have been the best leave it to your own imagination because i don't i really don't think how they could have portrayed that in the 60s I think they could have pulled the colander back out from Spock's brain. Yeah, they've just been repainted. <laughs> exactly. That, that was a cool prop, though. I wouldn't. I would not fault them for using it again. So I would love to have that prop. I really would. I don't <laughs> know why. And it, it kind of it came back again in Ghostbusters. Remember? Was remember that Rick Moranis wearing that thing? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That and uh, and um, uh, Doc from Back to the Future when he meets Marty for the first time, he comes out of his house. <laughs> See, see? see that that can be that can be a, an origin show all by itself yes. the, the giant <laughs> just not helmet. a star trek origin yeah. um and the last thing i want to say about this is i, I don't know if this episode like this would have inspired uh the tng episode the game or not but it's the same kind of idea i think like you know something that you that kind of takes over it had there has a there's an insidious undercurrent to something that on the surface seems like it's just joy right well, so you know, I, I don't know if you read this, Zach, and this this is true. I'm, I'm not I'm not joking around. The CDC has actually made um, uh, uh, gaming an addiction, a true disease. Hmm. So uh, it's it's a real problem. 
you know, and, uh, and you can see how that, that can happen. I do know quite a few people that are really into to gaming and, and, and networking and so forth, and, and they literally, you know, spend hours and hours and hours in these, in these virtual, and I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening to this going, yeah, I can relate to that. So it is interesting that it, it has now been officially diagnosed as, as a disease, like alcoholism and addiction. Game addiction is now a disease, and it you know doesn't surprise me one ounce when I see, you know what a huge industry this is, and the way people follow it. You know, fortunately, uh, for me, you know it's just something I was never really good at, and I and I tend to be like, <laughs> well, it's not something I really want to be that great at anyway. There's other things that that interest me, and there's nothing wrong with. I'm, I'm not judging people that play a lot of video games. I'm not. We all, you know. If my thing is movies, yours is video games, whatever. But it is interesting that we have arrived at that point. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Star Trek looking forward again as well. And, uh, yeah, again, everything in moderation, people. Right? I mean, that's the whole moral of the story here. Everything in moderation. Right? If, 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 if your entertainment is taking up 80% of your life, maybe time to reassess you know, how, you're, how you're distributing your time. Because time is valuable. Time is the fire in which we burn, Ken. So... <laughs> So you've got you've got a got a good mix of a Kirk speech and Soren speech kind of prodded <laughs> together. I, that that's not easy to do, Zach. But I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. Thank I you, think that you could have you could have written the ending for this movie for this for this episode. <laughs> yes. Oh man. So uh, the Godhead would be our the next Godhead. episode, and that this would so a Joy Machine would have been the 25th episode of season three. The Godhead would have been the 26th episode of season three. The, the true season and true series finale. Of Star Trek, and this is written by John Meredith Lucas, who was a producer and writer on uh, on the original series. And uh, the story was about, it's actually a, a pretty interesting concept. And and I'm not I can't put my finger on if I've heard this exact same concept before in sci-fi, but it does sound like some like Arthur C. Clarke story or something you'd you'd hear. And uh, it's about an alien race who who created a way to accumulate uh, their vast knowledge and and placing it into the mind of one selected individual. And that person would be called the Godhead. Uh, but they they became they would become too powerful and delusional by all this and in the episode the, the the drama of the episode would be they decided to take over the the enterprise and conquer the galaxy so uh, it was a uh, gonna it was gonna go into production but again NBC canceled uh, Star Trek after Turnabout Intruder and it never got to come to pass so what what do you, what do you think of that Ken? That, that that does sound kind of like a like an old school sci fi concept huh yeah I like the concept a lot it's you know, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit, you know, I think of the inner light, how all that information was downloaded to Picard. Very different concept and goal, by the way. And then you take, you know, some of the um, the plot elements that we've seen in future TNG episodes from this point where, you know, Moriarty or whatever, you know, uh, or, or I'm sorry, I'm trying to think, um, Barkley, I'm sorry, yeah. the engineer, right? <laughs> that, that, that happens to him. That is exactly what happens. Uh, he, he accumulates all this knowledge to again not not for the purpose not not that he goes in crazy because he already was a little nuts but um, so you see elements of that and I love both those stories and so I think from this perspective obviously it's a little bit more intriguing it's a little bit ne more nefarious uh, you know and you have to you have to find a way to defeat a presence that supposedly has all this accumulated data and knowledge that's incredible that that would obviously not be easy however um, deities. 
are Kirk's speciality. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. This would have been another entry into our uh, Battle of the Gods, right? Another guy to, to mm -hmm. fight. And so on that point, I think this is a, a different angle on it, at least, because uh, it's it's kind of like, uh, well, yeah, it's kind of like Data, right? Because he has all the knowledge of all the colonists from Ocon Theta. So th there's lots of, of shades of this in future science fiction. So th this person, this godhead, would have all the experiences and knowledge of of a whole race of people, which is, which is very interesting. And it also, it also kind of reminds me of uh, Brainiac, the Superman villain. I'm on Superman, uh, <laughs> Superman on the brain mm -hmm. today. Uh, but he would accumulate all knowledge of a planet and then destroy that planet because then the knowledge would become more valuable that way. So lot, lots of ways you could you could take this concept. Uh, although although I don't know how it uh, it does kind of seem like okay, we got to stop Apollo, we got to stop Gary Mitchell, we got to stop this, we got to stop that. Um, if uh, if the droid machine would have been the classic Kirk defeats the computer. Uh, the Godhead would be the classic Kirk defeats the false deity, right? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, how do they, uh, one of the concepts that I guess it's it's a little bit interesting to me is, you know, it, it's it's in an individual or is it in individuals? That's a little bit, you know, it, it sounds like it's one one person, mm -hmm. right, has all this. So, you know, I, I guess that, that it makes it a little bit more simpler to, to defeat. And you wonder also, would that individual then be downloading this information into the enterprise and the enterprise and the individual being one entity? Mm, that would that's be cool. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And that, that would make it, I think, uh, a, a little bit more intriguing on how they would defeat it and, and get their arms around it. And, and to me, that's, um, yeah, it could be fun. It, it, it's definitely TOS, though, and it, it fits in with what they had been doing for three years. And, you know, in some of those episodes, yeah, okay, it's, it's, it's a tired kind of th um, plot thread. But if you can improve on it and make it more interesting, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly, if you look at all the other Star Trek series, this is not something that you would say, oh, this couldn't work. Yeah, I think it could work. And as we often say, I, I feel like if these two episodes, uh, Joy Machine and Godhead, would have happened, Turbot Intruder would be looked at with a little less vitriol because it just would have kind of faded into the background because it's the last episode of TOS. People just kind of, it's a lightning rod, right? It's like, oh, it's that last episode. It was bad. And they had all these these, these unwoke things about, <laughs> about it, to, to use a common vernacular. Uh, it would have kind of been, been more uh, the soft and the blow of it with the, these other two episodes at the end, which you know sound like interesting concepts. Now, the thing about when you talk about these episodes that are never made, it's always, you know, it's always in the execution, right? Because, you know, you could list off some of the worst TOS episodes, and they sound like a really interesting concept, right? Even, like, In the Children Shall Lead sounds like an interesting concept. Like, go to some planet right. where there's, like, mass suicide, and only the children are there. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a terrible horror story. But then you see what they did with it, and you're like, oh, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's always that, uh, that missing component there. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I would uh, – are you familiar at all with, with John Byrne's uh, photo novels for the uh, – the new uh, what he does for IDW Comics. The, uh, no, no, I'm not. So John Byrne, he's he's a famous uh, comic book uh, author and and Star Trek uh, comic book author as well. And uh, what he's done, he's taken the, those photo novels like from the 70s, and uh, mm -hmm. he 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 does new versions of them. He makes completely new episodes uh, based off old you know production stills and screenshots and you know HD screenshots have completely changed changed the world for that. So what he does is is um, and I I it's a monthly or or bi-monthly or um comic book release and what he does is he makes completely new star trek episodes and stories out of these images and so what i think would be interesting is if he if he actually took those and, and made 
uh, photo novels uh, of these. Uh, it's called uh, Star Trek New Visions, by the way. I recommend everybody. If you're a TOS fan, you definitely you need to be checking that out. It's a kick. Uh, but I, I would love for him to make the Godhead and Deep Mud and the Joy Machine and, and all these other episodes. We hopefully will have a chance to talk about in the future because that that would be the, the closest thing to getting the real episode. I think would be would be these photo novels and uh, and that would be a cool way to visualize what the, what could have been. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder how difficult it would him it would be for him to get uh, the rights to do it or you know the license to do it. I'm guessing what he's doing is his own, right? He's coming up with his own plot points, or yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's yeah. basically creating everything. So yeah, that probably is a uh, something they'd have to like have to buy the script or the rights to the script or whatnot uh, because it's obviously someone else's intellectual property. Although I don't know if they had it, depending on how these scripts worked back in the day, if they had a uh, what what uh, what was the term? Uh, um, there is a there is a business terminology that I cannot remember right now. But it's basically where you're working for another company and you mm-hmm. write something, it becomes them, uh, becomes their like, like. Well, that's the whole problem with like uh, again, comic, IP, yeah, intellectual it, property. Yeah, but ah uh, oh, man, but it, it was it's the whole reason that you have all these lawsuits between again, Superbad on the brain, right? Uh, the the families of Siegel and Schuster who created Superbad were like suing DC oh, right, Comics, right, right, and yeah. it's it's uh, there's a, somebody out there will know what I'm talking about, but but basically it's like, hey, thanks, you were an employee of DC Comics at the time, but you created this. So it's ours well, if now. it's copyrighted, it's owned by the company, mm-hmm. right? If you if you did it, and so same thing. I mean, we call in in my world, it's IP, mm-hmm. intellectual property, yeah. and that's what we're always. It's like to it's keep. like work to um, pay 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 per work or something. <laughs> I don't okay. I don't I don't know. But anyway, what what a tangent, right? But <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that went that, that went to a direction we haven't got an ending to. So you know, for all those people that are out there, Schindler, Aaron, <laughs> I'm sure you guys know this stuff. All these folks that that understand this, they, these 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 things, and go into making productions, film, um, you know, all of it. I'm sure uh, they they would know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, of of these three episodes, then Ken, which one intrigues mm-hmm. you the most to to have seen? Which one do you wish if you had to pick one of them? Which do you wish you would have seen? I Mud had the most interesting plot, I thought, with the pirates. I, I don't know why that. It's it's not just Mud, which you know is is interesting to me. But I do like the idea of pirates in the Federation. I just think that's 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 kind of cool and new. The other two are very interesting, and they and they look good. It's just we've seen elements of them before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I kind of I'm kind of leaning toward the Joy Machine. It just sounds very very interesting, very uh, ahead of its time to me. But uh, mm-hmm. again, it's all in the execution. We'll see. I, I guess I guess I kind of know what to expect from Mud episode. <laughs> so maybe that's why I gravitate toward the toward the unknown of the Joy Machine. But. Yeah, like I said, to me, uh, you know, and I have, I have probably a um, a 2018 vision in my head of, you know, probably from watching Discovery and all the later series, you know, pirates and so forth would be really cool. Eh, would they really be able to pull it off back in 1967? I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but it would have been fun, I think, just, just to, you know, just, just to, 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 if they could come up with. Uh, enough money to actually come up with a quote-unquote pirate ship and all that stuff. It, it's intriguing to me. That's all. It sounds more like a, a fun romp with a, a little action adventure in there. Yeah, I wonder if they would have, have made them the Orion pirates. You know, like I, I think about the animated series, and there's the Pirates of Orion, right? It's like these you know mm-hmm. green guys, and that would have, that would have been cool. A little more Star Trek. I, I, that, that I don't know if that would have been the budget to paint people green in in season three. You know, more than one person anyway. Uh, maybe we'd only mm-hmm. see one of them. 
<laughs> that would that would be the key <laughs> to, to save money like the gorn right here's the captain there's nobody else just the captain here so that's one way to do that's it right. too so but yeah it's it's uh it's fun to, to look back yeah, on these cheap, on these man. what ifs yep, of star trek man. and um i uh yeah of course i wish there were more episodes of the original series that way we'd have more to talk about here on standard orbit right Ken? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, we we're, we're two, this is episode two hundred five, and uh, you know, it's be, between the the uh, the armies of folks that have been working on this uh, podcast for quite a while, we've been able to keep it going with with new and exciting ways of looking at it. So yeah, it it would have been nice, but then you know, I, I also don't want to get into the trap of being a commentary podcast, you know, episode to episode. Right. Um, I'll leave that to you and Vishay to to have your fun. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he, he's pinging on you for the Savage Curtain, man. So, you know, whenever you're ready to do it with him, he's ready. Well, well yeah, well, that's that's on the list. We got we got a long way to go here. We, we, try, to, we try to space those out, you know. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I think that uh, you, you make a good point. And, you know, we, we, hey, you know, that's why I love the um, the new cast piece of it. And, and hopefully, you know, Tarantino will give us something to really talk about oh, in the next two or three years. Man, if, if the Tarantino movie doesn't come through, we're going to look back at this like batch of episodes here. We're all excited. We're going to be so <laughs> we're going to be so disappointed. <laughs> I'm optimistic it'll work out in the cast of of the um, of the of, of the J.J. universe. The uh, Kelvin timeline seemed like they they would really be excited to, to do it. So if there was some. You know, um, timidity and in, in coming back and making a fourth movie or or whatnot. You know, Tarantino has a way of of pulling in of people and, and people instead of him having to go out and cast. You know, people come to him to say, "I want to be in this movie." So that's that's why I'm optimistic. Well, but yeah, I we, am optimistic by nature because I'm a Star Trek fan. There you go, optimism. I mean, old school Star Trek fan. You know, I'll just call you Doctor Flox from now on. Uh, so. You know, we do everything. I don't know uh, if I want that one. No, no, thanks. <laughs> well, you know, this being TOS, we do everything by threes. You know, three, mm-hmm. three seasons of TOS, the big three, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. We talked about three episodes today. There are three Kelvin timeline movies. You know, maybe maybe that's a sign. The original series movies, there were six, which is two sets of three. So you can cut it cut it any way you want. <laughs> uh, do some math there. But but yeah, so, but we'll see. But that's gonna do it for our conversation today. We just wanted to talk about these three episodes, and uh, you know, hopefully you guys. Uh, have some thoughts and and uh, let us know. Yeah, if you've read the Joy Machine, let us know. I'd, I'd be curious to, if it's if it's worth my time to uh, to to read that one uh, because there are so many Star Trek novels. You have to be very selective. <laughs> so, and uh, if any of y'all uh, have any preferences of like, hey, I like this episode, I like that one. Let us know which of these three you, you would like to have seen uh, on the screen in the '60s. So let us know in the Babel Conference or on Twitter or anywhere you can find us on social media. But the lost episodes of TOS aren't the only thing. We're talking about a Trek event this week. Here's a quick look at what else we've been doing on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Earl Grey. I actually hadn't watched the show, I'm embarrassed to say. Um, but I sat down and I started watching uh, and recording episodes. And I immediately had an idea for a script uh, because I found Data to be the most interesting character. To the journey! So you could have, like, you know, carbonated gug. Carbonated gawk. <laughs> I'm trying to understand how this works. So the gawk are presumably a little squishy or juicy on the inside. So you're saying that in order to give them the appearance of life, they replicate it with carbonation inside the gawk. Yes, to make them like pop wow. and fizz. Kind of like an Alka-Seltzer, you know? Like pop, pop, pop fizz, fizz. gawk. Warp 5. And I go into the job interview, and I'm just 
parroting back to him things he said in his interviews, but he didn't know that I was just doing that. I would say, the thing about Star Trek is that you could write it it's a mystery one week and it's a Western the next week. And I'm literally, literally word for word things he said in an interview. So that's how I always feel. And I joke with him now that that's how I got the job. But the 602 Club. When we're talking about the idea of context in history, I think this is the biggest issue that I see in this film um, and, and with the, the Force Awakens too. And you put them together because they're going to make a trilogy. Is look, writing 101 if you don't know the past and the future of your characters, you absolutely 100% cannot write their present. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and of course in the Babel Conference. Type Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron on the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, You'll find the current goals and different milestone contributions along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our great associate producers for Standard Orbit. We have Renee Roberts, Norman Lau, Aaron Harvey, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, Richard Marquez, and Corey Elrod. Yes, thank you guys so much for your support for both Stan Orbit and Trek FM. Uh, so, Ken, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? Hey, you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference and engaging people when I, when I have the opportunity. You can also find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at BostonSCPO, and we, uh, we like to tweet out all our new episode information as soon as we get it, as, lo- as well as our colleagues. So look for me there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman series from the early 2000s. And you can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. Standard Orbit.